0: Welcome, everybody, to another Tech To You Tuesdays. Looking forward to getting through quite a few things that we wanted to uh, go over today. So I'm going to kind of just uh, power through a lot of these these uh, shorter topics this week. Uh, with me again this week is Ryan Beck. Thanks for being here again. Appreciate howdy, it. Howdy. So I um, want to jump into uh, PSAs. So that's kind of like the whole thing that I'm kind of doing here is public service announcements. Like half the show seems to be here's some stuff to look out for um, here's some things to be aware of and uh, I, I'm going to start with a good public service announcement um, that I'm hoping is helpful for people this one's helpful for me <laughs> it was for me too yeah. um, So, and then we'll go into a bad one and why uh, you need to be careful about where you get your public service announcements from so uh, start with a good one Google is going to be deleting <laughs> Gmail accounts and uh, that is scary for us technicians more so than anybody because how many Gmail accounts do you think you have? Nine. Accounts? You have nine? Yeah. I have 27, I think, is my last pass uh, total. But um, I think maybe probably like 10 of those are like sort of business, pseudo business accounts that I'm pretty sure I use enough. Right. So what's happening is if you haven't logged into your Google account, if you haven't used any of the Google services for two years, then they are going to delete it. Yeah. And it's obvious that this would happen at some point. A lot of companies do this. The idea is that if you're wasting their server space, right. they're going to... That's upkeep.
1: That's stuff they have to yeah, they I mean, pay for that data.
0: Yeah, they have... I, got, oh. I can't even imagine like how many petabytes of data they're going to be deleting. Um, so this is going to happen on December 1st. Uh, so we've got you know just a few days. And the public service announcement part of this is if you've got a Gmail account, just go log into it. Yeah. And if it's one of those ones that you hardly ever use, then you logging into it will keep it alive. Um, if you wanted to be extra safe, I would even, what I did was there was, there's like two accounts that I had that I was really unsure of. I logged into them and I just sent myself an email just to show that there was like activity within the account too, right. um, to reduce that risk of there being an issue. Uh, so what's going to happen is if, let's say, for example, you've got a Google account that you log into, I don't know, Facebook with. You made the Google account years and years ago. You have not needed to log into it because you set your Facebook account up with this Gmail account and you've just not logged into it ever since. And that's fine because you just log into Facebook. There's no need for you to go in this Gmail right. account anymore.
1: Until you need to reset your password. Until you have to reset your password. Whatever it is, right? Somebody tries to hack your account and you get locked out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that r- random notice. I mean, that's assuming that you even have this account synced to your phone or anything that you even know that there's activity going on. It could be one of those accounts where you're like, "And eh, this is my spam account. I don't really need it. The reason why I think this is so worth highlighting is so many of us, I don't know if this is just mostly us as technicians or if this is like the average computer user as well, will set up this, like an account with an intended function of like, this is kind of my junk account or it evolves into your junk account. So you make yeah. new ones and, and then we forget about them. Um, now I'm in a position to have not forgotten about any that I can think of because I use a password manager. So I know all of that's how I know how many accounts I've got. Um, so anyway, if, if, if you've created these accounts, you might even have to think back, like, have I created a Google account that I'm using for my banking login, for my PayPal account, for my whatever, it could be anything. And it's one of those things that most people will forget about. Oh yeah. It's tied to that Gmail account that I haven't logged into for like five years. And one Um, thing
1: I didn't think of is people who have, you know, like friends or family members that
0: passed. Oh, God, that's a good one. Yeah. So, like, if you're in control, really limited on time to go and recover stuff from that. My uncle passed now, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I'm sure he had a Gmail account. Sure. And I'm sure his family has, has taken over that account. Um, I would imagine that one of my cousins has it. I should reach out to him after this, and then tell him like, "Why aren't you listening to my show?" Number one, uh, hey, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a really good one because why would you need to log into those accounts go regu- regularly? I bet most people don't even think about it. That's yeah. one of the yeah. Another one that you just made me think of as you were explaining that was uh, my son's Gmail account. I created a Gmail account for him. Probably when he just was to like,
1: be a child account, right?
0: He was like four when yeah. I made it, and it was just because I wanted his full name at gmail.com right and i I didn't want anybody else to grab it so it doesn't really get any use at all i don't think i synced it to anything um and he hasn't logged into that so that's one that i need to make sure is logged in too so uh yeah psa uh google google is going to be deleting these accounts Uh, a couple things i just didn't want to forget about that what that means is if you have emails in this account if you have google photos if you have anything Google Drive, all of that stuff is going to get deleted. Um, you you should only need to log into the account to keep it live. Again, you have until December first to do this before Google deletes everything. And I have zero expectation they will help you get it back. Right? Because Google accounts are free unless you're paying for a business account. You're not even going to get support if they if they did delete it and you forgot about it or couldn't get into it. And and the last thing I'll say about this is. Do it today. Don't wait until the thirtieth, because if you can't get into that account and you need to like go through the password reset process, that can take some time if you get stuck on something. So do it now. Um, and when you've gotten back into it, if you forgot the password, reset it. Give it a fresh password. Most Google accounts that are compromised are ones with old passwords. So if you're already in the process of having to go log into this account, please, please go back in there and and um, and reset your password too. Save it in your password manager that I know you have. After listening to me for so long,
1: now I'm curious. After they delete these accounts, do they plan to? Are, is part of what they're doing allowing people to reclaim? I'm,
0: I'm so addresses? interested in finding out the answer to that question because that
1: could also have weird implications for people who are signed up on mailing lists. Like so, you, you take over these emails that already
0: existed. I have, right? I know. I, I'm. I don't know. I couldn't find the answer to that. Not a conclusive one from Google, right. but there's a guy who has um, my name with a dot between my first and last name at Gmail.com, uh-huh. and I get a ton of his emails. And I think it's because some of the um, some of the businesses that you sign up that you subscribe for, to, like a, like he signed up for some cruise line in Australia, and I got that confirmation and the email. The title shows Ian Dot Reader but the sent, it sent to Ian Reader. Right. And well I think
1: in Gmail they rem- the dot you could put that anywhere in the email and, it's and it strips it out. Yeah. Well,
0: he has that at gmail.com. Huh. And I don't know if maybe that he and I both signed up back in like 2002 with our names when and when it there wasn't was. that. Yeah. And but, but I don't get all of his emails because I emailed that address and it went to him and he responded to me. And I was like, hey, just a heads up. I'm getting your stuff. If I get any more, I'll let you know. He has a kid. He lives in Australia. Like I know who the dude is. And um, <laughs> I'm, one of the things I'm kind of hoping for is that he stopped using it. And he hasn't signed in for two years? Because if if he hasn't, then I can grab that one too.
1: Joke's on you. He's upside down in Australia right now doing a <laughs> tech to you. Dot podcast. au podcast saying, man, I really hope that regular Ian Reader at <laughs> gmail.com becomes available. <laughs>
0: oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, this is probably another good thing to add to that PSA. If you have a Gmail account or Yahoo or whatever, which is just your first and last name, especially if you have kind of a unique name like my name is a little bit unique reader is not a super popular last name ian's probably a less popular first name in some places and um it's easy to like guess what my email account is so guess what i did i made sure that ian reader at gmail.com isn't for anything important because I wouldn't want anybody to know that's the account that I like log into my bank with. That the accounts that I would use for those things are totally random, like phrases and words and stuff, so nobody could guess those things. So anyway, while you're doing a little email maintenance, just some things to consider. Um, so that is what I would consider a good public service announcement. You got a couple days left before you might lose this uh, this account. What a bad public service announcement would be would be maybe something like. Um, I would hope that podcasts are a slightly more reliable source of information. Like I'm sure that there's plenty of misinformation on podcasts.
1: Well, I'm sure it's, it's the, it's not the content. It's the source. Right. So
0: in this case, uh, my concern is people getting their news or public service announcements from social media. I like, I'm pretty, pretty out about my general hatred for a lot of the things that happen on social media. Uh, TikTok in particular is, this like perfect place to spread misinformation. If you're like, I want to make people Nazis. Well then that's where you should go to make people Nazis. Yeah. Uh, you'll probably get followers still because that's where a lot of just crap lies on the internet is on TikTok, And, um, it unfortunately seems to, I don't know that there's definitive proof of this yet, but there, there seems to certainly be a, a very strong case being made that algorithms, um, weigh heavily against Americans on our version of TikTok versus the Chinese version of TikTok, which spreads like educational content oh. and and removes a lot of false information or, well, what the Chinese government doesn't want you to know. <laughs> so pretty bad. But I mean, we're spreading things like the Tide Pod Challenge um, and and stuff like um, false Putting- inf-
1: Putting pennies on electric sockets. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. You just make the us dumber stuff. Yeah. So TikTok, for that reason alone, I would say you shouldn't even be using it. Like I get the concept of being addicted to these like short form content videos, but um the misinformation that's on there is so bad. And and people believe it like crazy. And this today's a great case of it doesn't take like a child, child's mind to be persuaded about bad information on TikTok. Um, you can be a fully functional, highly educated adult and get misinformation and believe it on TikTok, which is what's happening. And in particular, it is an announcement about um, a security flaw, which isn't a flaw on on iPhones. And what I'm going to do first is I, I hate that I'm going to even give this person any airtime, but I'm going to show you guys the one one of the videos that is going viral. Um, let's see if I get this set up right here. So. Here's our video player if you're watching us, and I'm going to play it so anybody who's listening can hear this as well. Um, Hopefully, this isn't too loud. I'll adjust if I need to.
2: If you have an iPhone and you just did the recent update, there's a security issue, and this video is for you. Apple has created a new feature called Name Drop. All you have to do is be within close proximity to another iPhone, and it will automatically share all of the contact info within your phone. This is.
0: Okay. Wrong. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't take long. I'll explain more when when we're done. Um but that is completely false. That is not how it works. <laughs> it will not share all the contact information in your phone. And you don't have to just be in
1: proximity.
0: And I it's I feel bad too cuz like I'm I'm sure that this is a good person and she means well in life. I just really don't like her already. It's like
1: Confidently
0: incorrect. (laughs) Yeah, confidently incorrect. All right, let's see what else she has to say.
2: How you turn it off. You go to general, right there. You go to airdrop, right there. The final step is to go to bring devices together and click this off. You can see it says easily swap numbers with name drop, share photos and more by holding the top of your phone close to another iPhone. So if you have a locker and it sits next to another iPhone, they can get all of your information. If If you're sitting next to-
1: If you have a locker, And it's just out there by another iPhone. I
0: just get all your stuff. Yeah, they just copy all your stuff right off your phone just because you have the setting turned on.
2: Somebody on the subway or on the bus, they can get all your information. This is a huge security risk. So please make sure that you go take care of this because it is on right now. If you've just done the update, it's automatically
0: on. I don't know about you,
2: but I find this to be incredibly irresponsible of Apple. They should have alerted us that it was an option, but not have it be on.
0: Okay, all right, I'm done listening to her.
1: So. With somebody like this, especially on a platform like TikTok, I feel like the the audience for receiving this misinformation are younger and probably less likely to fall for it, maybe. I yeah, maybe the, the concern that I have that is that all of the like Twitter posts from police departments targeting
0: parents. Yeah. Fall with like these videos. Yeah. So police departments are saying, like, news outlets. Some cop at some department somewhere was like, "Hey, I saw this video on TikTok. My, on my son break. showed me
1: this TikTok. We
0: got to share this. Make sure people know that their information's getting out. It is not how, that is not how it works." And and. Okay, it's good to know that this public service announcement was with the intention of people's safety. Yes. And I'll at least start by saying there's no harm in following the instructions in this video. Correct. Um, you absolutely could turn this feature off. It's a feature probably most people won't use. And knowing Apple, they'll probably drop this in three or four years anyway because nobody was really messing with right. it. Or they'll enhance it and maybe make it useful. It's just one of those sleek new. Look
1: at our new feature. We right. couldn't think of something to add to iOS 17, so
0: <laughs> so this is this is, is what it really is. The, the feature is called name drop, and when you take your iPhone and you bonk it up next to somebody else's iPhone, they literally would tap. physically touch. Yeah, the little bonk, and and in fact. The accelerometer, which is the device which uh, detects movement in your phone, detects that little bunk when you touch them together. Plus, there's an RFID sensor, which is very close, and an NFC sensor, which is close. And it uses this combination of technologies to identify whose phone you tapped because they're right next to each other. Now, let's say you said, okay, well, Anybody could tap my phone, I could be at a bar, have my phone in my hand, somebody could just tap it and steal my contacts. Still, Still not. not how it works. So when they do tap your phone, first you have to leave it there. If somebody taps your phone and walks away, nothing happens.
1: First it has to be unlocked.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, even, even that, you have to have your phone unlocked. Meaning that if it was in your pocket. It will not even engage. It won't even activate yeah. this process. So in your pocket, in your locker, all of this bad information is such a good highlight of why you should not be getting your PSAs from TikTok and from social media. And now again, giving credit where it's due, I'm glad that it was in the name of safety um, rather than like, you know, the opposite of like trying to make people's devices not secure. But I hate the fear mongering stuff. And as much as I'm here to talk about, you know, these like threats that exist in the world, other than the Halloween episode that was intended to scare people, I preface them with like, this is either a low possibility that would happen to you or, and and I I think people should know the reality of the threats. This is not a threat. So first you you tap your phone to somebody else's phone. And then it says, it like does this really cool, like liquidy kind of thing across the screen to indicate that you've tapped another phone. And then what it does is on your phone that you're holding, it shows your contact information. And you have to press a button to agree to share your contact information and what of that contact information you want shared. Like in my case, my default is just my phone number. My email is not included in that, my my address. And that's that's Apple's default too, right. is to not include all of your information, including like your home address. And it especially isn't all your contacts which I, is another thing she I said i think
1: i read that you have to add any other contacts manually if you want to share them that you way. can't even add other contacts oh, you can yeah, only
0: see. do yours you could add content to your contact like i could add notes to my contact that share to other people i could add my birthday i could add my address normal contact stuff that you'd see in like outlook you right. could put there um so i when i when we Do the little phone bonk. Then the other thing is I I, I have two buttons on my screen. I can share information or I can receive only. So let's say that I'm at a business and somebody wants to give me their card. They bonk my phone. I hit receive only. I have their contact, their card that they accepted, that they authenticated through their phone that they wanted to send. It is not a security vulnerability. And I can hardly even think of a way to spin this into a security vulnerability. Like maybe if you're hammered, and somebody convinces you to share your phone number, in which case you are already vulnerable because you were manipulated by another person. Sure. There's nothing here that, that on a technical level that's that's vulnerable. So I, I highly recommend that you you avoid getting your your public service announcements from from TikTok. It's it's definitely not the place to to get good information. I mean, again, I want to give credit where it's due, which is that I'm glad that it was in the name of security. But if you especially see something that's like, change this setting and you don't fully understand the implications you could be doing the opposite which is what was happening here this this was all based on people not knowing how this feature actually worked and they go and turn it off what if you didn't fully understand this and you turned off a setting that was for your security so it's all the reason to make sure that you're getting your your tips from a trusted source Uh, i got an email um Hey Ian this is from uh, Kelly in Utah didn't Android have this same feature in the early days of smartphones they did yeah, this was a really old feature and if I'm not mistaken this was a um this was a uh, a brand specific feature I can't remember I'm off the top of my head here, but I want to think it was either Samsung or But, yeah, they basically had the same thing where you could tap your phones together, and it was less secure. It wasn't to where you could just tap somebody's phone and just have their contact information. There was still a confirmation on the screen, but I don't think it required the phone to be authenticated first, and it got some attention in the news.
1: Yeah, I want to say the old-school Android version was like pretty strictly NFC.
0: Yeah. I think that that would make sense because there wasn't really any other technology at the time. And NFC is slow too in its communication. Um, And you would have had to leave it there for a second too. So even then, you know, yeah, there could theoretically be a risk. Like if, I think the thing with Android that becomes more of a risk is it's easier to turn off security settings that are to your benefit. Like Android sure. allows you to do a lot more with the device, whereas iOS is a little bit more restrictive in letting users have control over those kinds of things, which is good and bad, but I think, you know, for the average user's security, it's it's generally a good thing. Um, so in the name of uh, security, a couple other things I wanted to talk about related to phones still is um, digital car keys. This is a a thing that I I talked about briefly in a prior episode, uh, episode, and I'll keep this short, Um, but digital car keys are something that are becoming more standard. If you're in the market for buying a car, um, you're gonna find that some manufacturers, which are uh, specifically, I have it written out here, BMW, Hyundai, Hyundai, how do you say that? Hyundai. Hyundai, and uh, Kia, those are the th- main three right now uh, that are uh, integrating car key, but there are others that are adding it. It's really just a software update. Um, the reason why you might want to know about it is it is a, a pretty secure way of opening uh, your car and also um, uh, starting your car. And it's not... F- Foolproof because, like I say regularly, the con, with convenience comes the comes at the cost of security. This is certainly a convenience thing. The most secure thing you theoretically you could do with your car is to have a physical key that somebody would need to to start it. Uh, so as soon as you introduce any kind of electronics, it kind of makes it more vulnerable. But a digital car key. Um, will be coming on more new cars. The reason why it's a feature you might be interested in is that uh, you can use your phone as a key, which is kind of cool. Teslas have this, but not in the way that BMW does. So my experience with a lesser version is that I have my phone in my pocket. I walk up to my car. It detects my presence. The car unlocks. I get inside. I press the, or actually I don't even press like a start button. I just put it in gear and I drive away. Um, I I don't have to hit a start. It just knows my phone is there which is like my key that's dangerous and i'll explain why in a minute um why you know how that works but the car key thing is kind of cool because it uses the same basic technologies like bluetooth to communicate with your car to identify that your car is there um but it also uses nfc which we've we've mentioned that name a couple times and just to highlight what that is that's near field communication which is just a very simple form of excuse me wireless communication that can send a small amount of data quickly
1: and easily things like phone numbers contact info basic info that you're gonna just tap right across nfc is used for payments too sending something like your card information security key
0: which is a very small amount of data you know even when they encrypt your credit card your 16-digit credit card into a longer number it's still a very small amount of data right so the reason why NFC is so cool for this is with with car key with digital car keys is your phone battery can die and it can still work. Now iPhone is or a- Apple is the first to really have this kind of official we want to develop this as a standard. <clears throat> My understanding is that this is an open standard that they'll allow any other company to utilize. I'm pretty sure that that was a requirement of BMW that they're like like not lock this down to iPhones. Um but the basic concept is When you make your phone a digital key, it integrates into a a chip in your phone, Mm. which can be powered from the device that is receiving the signal. So for example, your car has a battery and your car battery is providing power to its own NFC chip, which is reaching out to your dead phone, reading this information and basically giving your phone just enough wireless juice to read this NFC data and start your car or open your car.
1: <clears throat> now, when you use NFC, because like I'm thinking of like how Google Wallet works, right? You have to select what card you want, mm-hmm. then you tap it and it yep. sends that info. So if you have multiple cards and your car key and your phone's dead, how does that chip know what right.
0: to send? It's because this technology will lock in one encrypted key to your NFC chip when your battery dies. And it's only that one. So it's not like you could use your dead phone as a wallet still, because you're right, you would have to authenticate and you would have to choose which which card you wanna use. But with car key, you can very specifically say, if the phone battery dies, I I still want it to work. Now, my understanding is that in practice, this has mostly been demonstrated through BMWs, um, it works great when your battery dies or is about to die, and that when it's dead, it can be hit or miss. So I wouldn't consider it a perfect form of replacing a key. But it's something. It's pretty good. Um, It's kind of like, uh, the, the way I think of it is that your phone is a key, even with a Tesla, which is a different experience, I always think of it as a backup. In my wallet, I'll carry my card, which is... It's a physical card shape of a credit card that can also authenticate who I am and start my car um, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say about this you know I, I really like the technology it's a little bit more secure um, than what I'm about to go into but the the Tesla thing there was a there was a video that I saw recently where I try to explain this as easily as I can a guy gets out of his out of his Tesla and walks away and this is a two-person attack to steal his car. So he's walked inside of a restaurant, a guy sits next to him in that restaurant and puts a device near his phone. Another guy who's standing by his car receives the wireless signal from his phone, it's duplicated from that guy in the restaurant, and then broadcasts it to the car. Now the car thinks that that phone is right next to it again. This is a really challenging attack to overcome From a from a physical perspective, you can overcome it by making sure people don't shove a device right next to your butt, where your phone is, or where you know in your purse. Hey man, nice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey. (laughs) Um, So watch out for devices getting near your your private uh, phone area. And then, if somebody's at your car though, there's really no way to stop them from getting into it. If you have a Tesla in particular, the only way to prevent your car from actually being stolen through this attack is to have pin to drive turned on. So that means that even though the f- car thinks that you're physically in it and that you have your phone and that you're authenticated, that when you try to push it in gear, it asks you for a pin code to put it in gear.
1: So what you're saying is that you can also secure cars with two-factor authentication. It can.
0: Yeah. And you should, <laughs> I hate to say it because uh, so the, the, the next thing we're going to talk about what is what a, what a bleak future. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to go too far into how the technology works to, for this, this, the, uh, the iPhone copy thing. It not only is it complicated, it's very rare, very unlikely to happen to you. Um, it takes a pretty talented person to be able to even configure what's necessary, <laughs> but it it's, Far less scary than the reality of this other thing, which is what's called a relay attack, so a relay attack is not new um this is this has been around since basically the very first iteration of um uh, push to start these are literal men in the middle attacks, <laughs> yes, they are yeah yeah they are um so here's the, here's what the attack is your car if you if you have a key where if you have one of those cars with a key where you can just put the key in your pocket and you walk up to the car and it knows you're close and you can just open it up um that's called keyless or, or sorry uh, yeah keyless entry right um so you don't have to use a physical key to unlock your car it just knows you're present and it'll allow you to open the door and then the next stage is push to start, which is a physical button instead of a key with an ignition where you press the start button and you hear your engine start up and you're good to go. Um, and you have your key in your pocket. And And people who have, have this, they know the experience of forgetting their key. And then when they've forgotten their key, they um, they it says like, you know, no key detected. And it, Bong, and it makes like kind of this little noise to indicate that there's no key and you can't start the car. Um, so you go in the house, you go get your key, put it in your pocket, everything's fine. Okay, so that means what, from a technical level, your key is wirelessly communicating with your car. Now, it only does that if you're inside the car. You might know, you might have even been in the exper- or experiment, um, or if you've ever experimented with how far it works, or you've just had problems with it, you might notice that sometimes the key has to be really close to a certain area, or if you're standing outside the car and somebody else is inside and they press it, it doesn't work usually, it's not supposed to. Um, But that key is, it, it is producing a wireless signal. So a relay attack is that a person literally stands in the middle of your key and your car, and they use an antenna that's very high power at replicating existing signals. So it's capable of picking up really, really tiny signals and making them crazy powerful. And you can do this with a backpack. I mean, like a small backpack. And the, the technology, unfortunately, is readily available on the dark web. Um, I mean, I mean, the technology is not even dark web technology. Just, like, how to build it is readily available. And um, I think maybe what I'll do is I'll just show an example of it at this point, of, like, how it works and, and talk about it a little bit more. So I'm going to go back to our, uh, our little video but player I here. The oh, geez, forgot about her. Um, okay. So now I'm going to show a, a video of the of the relay attack. So this first one, I think this first one doesn't have any audio. Let me double check. Oh, yeah, this first one actually does have, I think, a little audio. You'll hear the engine start here in a second. So basically what we're looking at, for anybody listening, is we're looking at a guy standing on a porch with a large antenna in both of his hands, and he's moving around, and we hear the engine start of a Rolls-Royce parked in a driveway. We're going to go to another video in a second. Just like I could replay that, but I'm going to show you one more that I think exemplifies even better how easy this is. So we're going to watch two guys park across the street and I'm going to explain it as it shows up on the screen here so two guys across the street one walks to the car and the other walks to the front door of the house the guy's already inside of the car and now the car has started he's driving away and the guy from the front of the house is now walking away so what happened here I'm going to let these just kind of play on repeat as I'm talking so you can kind of watch this if you're watching us um oh maybe I won't play it on repeat hold on let me try that again uh, radio player, uh, relay, let's loop that. Ouch. Okay, um, so I'll play this one more time. And Basically, what's happening is you've got this guy. It's A, a two-man attack is typically how you would need to do this, or two-woman. I'm not going to. You know, sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and what happens is one guy is going to be on you know, as close to the house as he can get, ideally as close to the bedroom or wherever we think your key Front is. Front door. Yeah, the closest part of your house that we can get to from the outside without disturbing you while you're sleeping. want to get as close as we can because that's the closest we can get to your key, which is emitting this wireless signal. And then the other guy is standing at your car, waiting for that signal to be strong enough to think you're standing next to it. So that person opens the door, and then that person presses the start button on your car, and then you both just drive away. Yep. That's it, super simple. Um, now, from a technical perspective, this is not an easy thing to build, right? It's not like something you can just jimmy together really quickly, but the instructions are available, and these thefts are happening more and more often. And there's two reasons for that. One, the technology itself has gotten far cheaper, so like an antenna like in that first video the dude is holding just a wire over his head it's a really simple makeshift antenna plugged into probably like a raspberry pi which I,
1: re- I really don't want to oversell how cheap it is to, right. to do this especially compared to the cost of a car <laughs> <laughs> yeah right
0: he has a rolls royce that got stolen in that first video uh the a raspberry pi by the way is not the delicious treat that you would consume uh, yes, at mealtime it is a uh, it's a little computer that costs what do they cost now like, like 50 bucks, bucks. 30 bucks yeah so yeah they're really cheap and you can program them to pretty much do whatever you want um so anyway you take this really cheap computer or the flipper zero that we talked about in a previous video a couple hundred dollar device and you program it with with a replicator give it a high power antenna super easy and now you're replicating every signal nearby but the thing is you only need to pick up the faintest version of the signal from that person's key sitting in their nightstand while they're sleeping in bed at two in the morning And if you're standing out in front of their house and you can pick up that faintest bit of a signal, then you can replicate it powerful enough that it thinks that you're even in the car. I mean, it makes it so powerful. You could probably get it from a block away at that point.
1: I've seen some of the more basic ones be described as amplifying that signal 10 to 15 meters.
0: Yeah, that's insane. I mean, compared to how far our key is from where, you know, where we're sleeping or whatever to where we're parked. I mean, it's generally speaking, going to be pretty close. Um... Now, this isn't as much of a problem if you park in your garage, but if somebody's really after your car, if you have a really nice car, it's pretty easy to just replicate your garage code and get into that as well. I mean, if they've already gone through this trouble, they're going to probably hang out and capture your garage code too. Um, So the best thing to do is have a mechanical lock on the garage. Some people actually, one of the things I saw recently was kind of cool was um, setting up a schedule on a smart plug that kills the power to your garage door opener. So you plug your garage door opener into a smart plug, then plug that into the wall. And right. the smart plug has a timer, and it's like, well, I'm never gonna open my garage, let's say from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Right. So it's just gonna be off during those times, and even if somebody did replicate the signal, it it's not powered on to think. open anyway. Right. And then if you're like, well, I might leave at midnight, cool, go up there, press the button, and it'll it'll be powered and you can go. Right. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cool little trick if you're really, really, really worried about it, which I don't think is a huge issue. Um, again, these are, these are problems, like I've discussed before, that are relevant. Uh, but not as likely to affect you as the average person. You know, it's it's going to be it's it's going to be a person who's being targeted or is just unlucky. Probably even more likely, just unlucky. If you have a Rolls Royce, this is for you. Yeah, you Rolls Royce. Yeah. Now, um, there are some videos of of cars <clears throat> being taken. I mean, there's many videos of these relay attacks happening. It is especially popular in Lexus, Toyota, Volvo, Mazda, Ford, and Kia. Those are brands that are notoriously easy to replicate the signal for, for whatever reason. Um, I won't go into that. And then the uh, BMW that we watched in the second video, that's a BMW X6. BMW is notably one of the most secure vehicles to prevent this from happening. And it didn't take very long for that challenge of like, this is a highly secure one for somebody to be like, oh yeah, sure, we'll find out about that. And then they figured out a way to replicate that signal, put it up on the dark web, and now anybody can do it. So the way to prevent this is actually incredibly simple, but also equally as annoying, I think. <clears throat> a Faraday bag or a Faraday box. Uh, I'll explain what that is really quick. <clears throat> a Faraday cage, F A R. A-D-A-Y, Faraday. Um, A Faraday cage is a a box or a cage or a bag with uh, wiring around the outside of it that prevents the transmission of any wireless signal, uh, no matter the strength or the frequency or whatever. Faraday cages are used for a lot of purposes in testing uh, electronics, but the reason why it can be beneficial here, and you can get these on Amazon for like 10 bucks a faraday bag it's just a little bag a lot of times they're even cloth and they even show pictures of car keys because of how popular these attacks are a faraday bag you take your wireless car key and your spare because you probably got spare sitting in a drawer in the house so both of them and you throw them in a faraday bag and now there's no signal coming out of that bag for somebody to repeat to commit a, a a relay attack um You could go as far as like, let's say you're the ultra paranoid or you know somebody's after your car that's tech savvy. You can get pockets lined with Faraday bags and Faraday cages. Like there's plenty of things that you can do to prevent the transmission of a wireless signal to protect yourself. It's probably overkill. Um, But if you're thinking like, well, I could use a nice box on my nightstand for me to store my Porsche key in. Yeah, what's 15 to 20 bucks compared to... Yeah. new car, Right. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, they make some really nice looking boxes that are like $40. Again, Amazon, just, just shoot, do a quick uh, search for Faraday box, Faraday bag, and you'll find a ton of options and you'll see people putting phones and keys and stuff like that in them because the idea is to stop transmissions of wireless signals, right? You want your phone on ultra airplane mode, put it in a Faraday box. Um, it's a little overkill, paranoid, you know, levels to use airplane mode, but, um, this is a good way to prevent that from happening. Uh, so if you're looking for a good gift, oh, I didn't even, you don't even think about this until just now. If you're looking for a good Christmas gift for somebody who you know is the paranoid type, or maybe even just has a car with remote start that could be vulnerable, you know, they their key is, at the, you know, their, their front bedroom is in the front of the house, or their bedroom's in the front of the house, their key's right there, they're parked right in the driveway, It's they're a perfect victim. A little Faraday box is kind of a cool gift. They're not that expensive. They make nice ones, leather bound and stuff.
1: Go the opposite direction, just get a bunch of little emitters and have it blast a million little signals all throughout your house.
0: Yeah, just a big old noisy mess. I uh, Got an email here from uh, Jennifer. She says, this car story makes me nervous that someone could start a car in someone's garage and the person upstairs from the garage. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, okay, so technically that's possible. Um, but that is highly, highly unlikely. The reason why is that
1: those push to start relays, you'd still have to have your foot on the brake for the ones that require it. You got to put your
0: foot on the brake and you have to press the button. Yeah. So even though somebody could be replicating the signal, um, that doesn't necessarily start the car that said cars that have push to start or sorry, remote start, I'm sorry, remote start enabled. That is completely different. And it is a legitimate concern. Like that would be, Oh my God that's some pretty highbrow serial killer stuff. Um, it, I, I don't want to speculate too much. I could go down in the weeds for a long time on this, but you, you could copy the signal that a key sends to a car when you remotely start it. And then you could do that when a car is parked in a garage and you could create a ton of CO2 buildup in that garage. And if there's a bedroom upstairs or wherever, obviously that, that can be a problem. Um, again not to create uh an unreasonable level of fear that's super unlikely um but i mean I, i think it's at least good for people to know that these things exist i think all of us have a person in our life that is either that sort of paranoid wants all of the safety features type of person or maybe is even like the victim of domestic violence and is hiding, you right. know, and you want to make sure that this, this person is as safe as can be in, in, under all circumstances. These are the kind of things that, you know, they might, might benefit from. So not to over scare, I don't want to do that, but be aware, be aware that these, these things exist. Somebody can snag your car out of your driveway pretty easy. And that's really the thing that I would say is I, I'm not, I'm not fear-mongering at all by telling you that if you've got a nice car in a driveway and your keys in your house, you're a very potential victim of a relay attack, especially if you're in the Bay Area. This is a super common problem in major cities. Like, San Francisco is a huge problem. London is actually one of the worst, interestingly. <clears throat> and uh, the EU, being the EU, is trying to create measures to to protect consumers. But it's, it's challenging because, again, this is another one of those, like, convenient features that we want as consumers, but it comes at the cost of security. So... Um, speaking of things that Ryan loves, uh, we're going to talk about, um, monthly subscriptions. You said you just, uh, signed back up for uh, Netflix.
1: Oh yeah. What are you paying now?
0: I don't I don't remember. It was like 22 bucks or something like that. I don't that?
1: know. It was tied into my T-Mobile. I was like, Oh, I get it for oh, free for six months. Cool. I'll worry about what this costs later. In six months. So yeah. a little timer. Although I think I saw that they're up to, they've got some plans that go over like 20 bucks a month now. Yeah. It's silly. I think that. I think they're 4K like with something. two people or three people or something like yeah, that.
0: So Ryan loves subscriptions. Mm. And uh staying in the staying in the topic of cars, um Mercedes has taken after Tesla in the worst way. I'll explain the Tesla thing in a minute, but um Mercedes is now charging twelve hundred bucks a year. A hundred bucks a month.
1: Was it Mercedes or BMW that started with the heated seats? It was BMW. God.
0: Yeah, yeah, so these manufacturers are charging monthly prices to access the features of your vehicle's existing hardware. That are already there. So Mercedes is going to charge you 100 bucks a month or 1200 a year um, for you to access the full performance of that car. So you get a speed boost if you pay 100 bucks a month. I hate this. So stupid
1: yeah so it is your existing hardware look if there were i could see something like a major software update or upgrade or something that adds a feature that didn't exist i i could forgive tesla's driver assist because that might require telemetry data to be sent to a server which requires a team of people to diagnose and fix things like there's there's costs associated with that running in my mind, giving yeah. them the benefit of some it back out.
0: end pricing, yeah, whatever it costs
1: including them. your heated seats in the car, right, and a button that turns them on with no communication back and forth, no upkeep. That mm. money isn't going to BMW for any reason other than to just Greed. lie there, greedy ass little pockets. Yeah, and um, there's no, yeah, so this, this is, one is, is gross.
0: <laughs> so, I, I. Tesla led the way with this to some small degree. Where first off, they're they're charging, and it became they were the first person to do this, but they were the first company to do this. But they were the first to do it in uh, mass, and it became well known. They charge something like I think it's ten dollars a month for premium connectivity, and it basically means that your car has a cell signal built into it for data, and that that data allows you GPS. Right? so you can see like google maps data you can search for businesses you can you can see their rankings on on google or whatever um you can uh oh stream music directly to your car they have a streaming service that's built in for that price um, and there's a few other like little benefits that you get but all of those make sense because they're based around you using cellular data which as we know as consumers cellular data costs money there's upkeep on right. the network data. it's reasonable for them to charge. Is it reasonable for them to charge as much as they do? That's debatable. But that
1: and all those things are are optional too. Right. They're not You don't have to have requirement. those. They're not a feature you bought that no. car for.
0: No. No, there's not there's nothing they they're not unlocking any hardware potential. But then later Tesla took it to another level by um charging I don't remember what the price was. I want to say it was 1500 bucks. It's like 2 grand. Yeah, 1500 for, for the a, driver assist. Oh, no, no, flat rate for a speed increase. So oh. if you have a Model 3 non-performance and it had to fall within a certain subset of years and it had to be the right model, um, but it was a lot of vehicles, there's a ton of Model 3s out there, and you paid them 1500 bucks, you would get a one-time unlock that would last for the rest of the time that you own this car, a software unlock to unleash the full potential. See, of, you
1: said something specific there, the rest of the time you own this car. Yeah. If they sell that car to a dealer and somebody else buys it, that's not unlocked anymore. So,
0: that was the case until they finally caved and made those transferable, okay, but initially they weren't so um there was another thing you know you were getting to it is uh full self driving or advanced driving features. Um, you can buy a Tesla and pay a flat rate and have lifetime access to it. It's again tied to the car. So if you buy another Tesla, you don't you don't get this. It's sure. tied to that car. Um, so it does, in theory, increase the value of your car a little bit because you paid for a thing that's that's right. stuck to it for life now. Um, but. They they have gotten pretty creative. It, like, now you can pay 200 bucks a month for advanced driving features. Yeah. Um, and, and, again, something you don't need to have. The car's integrated autopilot works great for most people, and it's, it's you know, I'm not going to call it free, but it's included in the cost of the car. Um, so, anyway, Tesla had, has done this thing that was very successful with charging uh, for features. The thing is that most other auto manufacturers are traditional in the sense that they design vehicles and the software in that vehicle always comes second. So they design a really well driving car that, that is reliable with with good fuel economy like that's their focus. And then second to that comes. Um, let's make sure that the drivers experience with their radio is really good that they can connect to Bluetooth easily and all, all of that Tesla's kind of the opposite. They're really a software company first. And they make this incredible user interface that works really well it's part of the reason why those cars have sold so well is because the ui and their screen and everything is so nice it it makes the user experience very intuitive it feels like driving a computer on wheels and anybody who's driven a tesla would kind of say the same thing it feels weird it doesn't feel right it feels like i'm driving a computer and there's a reason for that it's because they're software first so because they've kind of paved the way for well we're a software company let's charge people for more software other companies that are traditional auto manufacturers are now trying to copy that model without the strength that tesla has in software charging for software features yeah. that make sense for the most part um so you've got mercedes charging now to unlock something that your car already has built into it tesla did that but mercedes is charging monthly i'll give tesla at least the credit to say you charge to unlock it and it lives with you forever rather than Mercedes are like, oh, you know, I want to save a little money this month so my car is slower.
1: We're going to sell you this and our spec sheet has these specs with an asterisk right? and these specs for if you don't pay the extra.
0: And not that everybody that's listening to this podcast is going out buying Mercedes, but you're buying cars. And when you're buying these cars now, you have a whole new thing you have to look out for. What crap are they locking behind a paywall? Yeah, you're gonna pay sixty five grand for this brand new car that doesn't go the speed that you says it's gonna go. That's not gonna have navigation built in. That seats won't heat even though the heated seats are there. It's right there. And and this is gonna con- continue <laughs> happening. You're gonna press a button. It's gonna go ah ah ah. What's the <laughs> you magic didn't word? Say the magic word. <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, so the main reason in even bringing this up is I almost feel like this is one of those things where I'm, I I'm gonna riot. Well, yeah, I mean that's what I, that's what I'm getting gonna, at. It's I'm one of those riot. things that I want politicians to step in and help us out a little bit. This is where the EU has done so well. They're hey, put USB-C on every iPhone. You don't need any other standard. It works great. Stop making people buy different cords. Thank you so much. This is m- simple. Easy legislation forcing massive companies to make minor changes to stop wrecking the consumer's wallet. Right. This is a, a such to a the great,
1: detriment of no one, by the way.
0: Yeah. No one gets hurt except for BMW charging an extra five bucks a month for your seats to heat for no reason. Like right. do you, I can't feel guilty for them, especially for something like that. A, at least if you're gonna charge monthly, it's a service that should require some upkeep or cost. Or go back to optional features. Right. It used to I,
1: be me just the buy case that you, you Want heated seats? That's two hundred fifty bucks added to your your yeah. the cost of your car.
0: Great. Yeah, I want heated seats. So ideally, we we're looking for legislators that are looking for us, looking out for us, and trying to uh, stop companies from l- the literal greed in these cases. There's no justification for charging these monthly rates for things that you own, and they have no upkeep to manage for you at all, none whatsoever. Um, and in fact. You're paying month, this is one of the things I love about that BMW car seat thing, is if it breaks, it's not even covered in the no. monthly rate you're paying for. You still have no. to pay for the fix. Right. So zero benefit to the consumer, just getting ripped off. Um. So anyway, keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. As you're shopping for new cars, you got digital car keys to consider, you got- yeah,
1: If your car comes with a battle pass, find a different car.
0: <laughs> yeah, if it's, <laughs> if it's like, yeah, BMW <laughs> X6 season one battle pass is available, god. Oh, what a terrible future. Um, let me make sure there was nothing else that I missed on that topic. Um, yeah, yeah, I think we got through everything. So, I um, wanted to go over a little follow up real quick from uh, last last week. We talked about very briefly, I was with uh, Jeff last week. We talked about how OpenAI, who is the company that manages ch- or runs ChatGPT, they ousted their CEO. And uh, it was very little explanation about the whole thing. And um, I had assumed he would probably come back it kind of looked like the writing was on the walls for him to come back and sure enough later in the same day of that podcast uh he returned um the board welcomed him back there was board members that were that were removed from the business um so all this chaos has kind of started to settle a little little bit it seems and out of all of this some news has emerged about it's not this is some speculation um but I said last week that there was speculation about how uh, part of the reason that he was removed was because he was hiding something from the board that was such a huge advancement in AI that they were concerned, when they found out about it, they were concerned that he was doing, he was being reckless with the growth of the business and where AI was going. Um, Now it's been, I I don't know that I can call it a leak, maybe it's, 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 kind of a combination of leaks of information from within OpenAI and also um, v- valid information that has been discussed about this. But there is a a product that they're working on, which is kind of codenamed QSTAR. Yeah. And QSTAR is possibly one of the very first iterations of AI to demonstrate a level of cognition that is kind of... Um,
1: they call it It was a AGI or something yeah it's artificial generative intelligence or or something like that. it's a layer
0: beyond what we know now right what we're using right now these language learning models that can generate content for us they're Mm. they're they're very complex I'm not going to downplay them at all they have an incredibly complex network that they use to to create information and and write fresh data Um, but they're simple in comparison to the next level which is something that an AI that is almost um self-aware to a small degree not not in the terminator you know right. not not in that realm but i think it it approaches it enough that being very careful about how you develop it to make sure it doesn't cause problems i'm not worried about it like gaining a personality and like destroying the world it would be more like you gave it an instruction that wasn't really well defined and it took it to the wrong path and destroyed your server farm. You know, uh, things that it can do, it's, it's, it's just basically, it's a very powerful tool at this point. And again, this a lot of this is speculation and I think we're going to learn a lot more over the coming months. But if you're following the story at all about uh, OpenAI or you're a user of, of uh, ChatGPT, I think you at least can be a little less concerned about chat GPT going offline and you can't use it anymore. It looks like the company's kind of returned to a stable state. Not everybody's threatening to quit anymore. Um, but if the, if the thoughts are true or these kind of sort of leaks are, are presumed to be true about what was said well, about this Qstar application. What did
1: you hear about what the whole thing that it did was that, that was so
0: remind me, I don't remember.
1: It was something like uh, it, it used logic to teach itself like elementary level arithmetic to solve a problem that it didn't already have the model to complete.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, um, this is where it's, it it can iterate on itself. Right. What we've done so far with every version of, of AI that, that we know about that's public, um, is that we train it on how to do certain things. Like we connected, uh, we being civilization and people, um, not me, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't put us that way because that kind of makes it seem like an us versus them. When I say we is like a people, like we're against, like we're the on robots. A, will remember
1: other side. that. Yeah.
0: God dang. Um, okay. So, uh, open AI, um, they connected chat GPT to a, 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 a website that runs software called Wolfram alpha. And Wolfram Alpha is a uh, like 20, 20, 30-year-old um, software company that that basically has this incredible knowledge of mathematics, and so you can give it these really complex. Uh, calculus formulas and trigonometry and so on and so forth and it's really good at solving these very very complex algorithms which is not something that uh, chat gpt is natively good at so you connect it to chat gpt and now it's good at math um, you connect it to a real estate database and now it can answer questions about real estate right. you connect it to a legal database it can, it can be
1: helpful legally. with what it's trained on
0: trained on connected to and understands that we teach things that we teach it to understand um, and the thing that we're hoping to see, we want to see this with AI, we want to see this development is that it can self iterate so that it can develop and come up with answers to questions that we're struggling to solve on our own. Um, And these could be any of the world's most complex questions. Like there was, if you've watched the Oppenheimer movie, one of the things that they said was that there's a near zero chance that when they detonate a nuclear bomb, that the entire atmosphere of the planet would ignite, but no physicists could agree that it was impossible you know that they they were all coming to the same conclusion that like well it shouldn't happen you know it seems very unlikely but it could theoretically like it it is possible like you know very very minuscule chance using ai for a situation like that's such a crazy situation but using it to like okay what don't we know that we could use to solve the likelihood as to whether or not when we detonate this bomb, it's going to ignite the atmosphere and de- destroy the planet. Um, so we want it. We want it as a technology. We want it to grow and develop and learn and be self-iterating. But that is scary to us because we watch a lot of sci-fi, and I think that there is a reality in which it is pretty scary.
1: Well, then we want to have control over it. We we don't want it to we want to have direct involvement in it rather than our role become more supervisory.
0: That's the reason why I like to say we is because we can remain in charge. And it's the reason why I don't want to say they meaning open AI, because imagine that they open AI are in charge and they have developed an iterative learning AI model that rapidly grows in its strength and its capabilities and knowledge that becomes pretty terrifying wherever they want. We have this like private company that's owned by a dude with Microsoft having a huge stake in that, you know, like that. I, I want to trust people. And I think that they have the planet and our population in mind when they're, when they're doing these things. But speculation is that part of the reason why, Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI was ousted was because the lead scientist there, this guy named Ilya, um, was threatened by what he'd seen Qstar capable of doing and didn't like the speed at which Sam Altman wanted to push forward with development. He wanted it to slow a bit so that we could be a little bit safer about it. And to Sam Altman's defense, He's doing what any CEO who has board members uh, in mind should be doing, which is putting company profits first. Now, well, I'm not saying that that's the... such a
1: massive breakthrough right
0: you know? now. I'm not saying that's like the thing that he should be doing for humanity and that he's a good guy. But I mean, his job is to generate profits right. and he's doing his job. Um, but he could theoretically be doing it um dangerously and that that's the reason that this whole fiasco happened it'll be a movie at some point oh yeah <laughs> we're you know may, hopefully by that time uh, we live in paradise and not in squalor um and we'll look back and see this as maybe maybe paradise one of the bigger breakthroughs the right um <laughs> so i'm excited by the the concepts that are being that are being thrown around with what this q star is side note why in the world would you label your most intelligent version of AI. Q star. Q. I know. Of all things. I know. Q? Yeah. Come on. You're going to give, the, you give those people a freaking, you've given them a whole new platform to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because I got a random junk survey email and I was like, ah, oh, you know, do I want to do, it's California research, something or another. And the, the domain was like, Q research group. And I was like, oh, oh no. I can't not see that now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So bad call. They could have called it any other letter. Any um,
1: other letter. 25 others to choose from, but you <laughs> chose the worst one. Jesus.
0: So um, anyway, I, I can't wait to hopefully report more on this as we go. I mean, I, I'd i like to think, I'm excited by the concept of a self-learning, self, self-growing AI model. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are screaming at the at their radio and they're thinking you're an idiot. You got to slow this stuff down. You got to be careful. We're going to end up in Terminator land. Um, I just live in the fantasy world, I suppose, where I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't have any way to predict it, but I I'd like to think that humans will prevail. Um,
1: are you hoping that we're a stone's throw from the Jetsons?
0: God. I mean, yeah, that's, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if there was, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is the medical side, which is something I've talked about a few times during the show, but like.
1: Well, it already has crazy <sighs> applications for that. I mean, have you heard about how they they use it to, I don't know if it's specifically chat GPT, but they, they throw, a, you know, all of the different chemicals and stuff and, and compounds at it and tell it to come up with different combinations of drugs to treat different things. Right. Or I, I saw one more, uh, scary of like different compounds that could create poisons and toxins that we can't trace. That
0: one's, uh, that one's a big topic. Uh, we'll hold on that one for another time. That's a scary one. Uh, and it's happening. They're using it kind of. Um, but yeah, from the medical field, actually one of the topics I I didn't get a chance to go over last week was, uh, AI is being used now to predict heart attacks in patients a lot earlier um sometimes years earlier and basically
1: predicting markers for uh alzheimer's there's a
0: there's quite a few things that it can find that we're struggling to see um some of this had to do with like very simple things like you're more at risk for a heart attack if you have um i I don't know that swollen is the right word i'm no medical professional but inflamed or swollen arteries so that that is it my understanding not gonna speak with any level of intelligence in that area of uh an er early indicator of a of a or that you could be prone to heart attacks um and the way in which we're measuring that um that uh change yeah that change in your artery size or whatever is very challenging but ai does a better job of it than we can another one that I, i really loved was like it goes through ct scans of people's you know brain or whatever, and it finds these really early signs of, of illnesses or tumors or whatever that we can't see, like physically with our eyes, we can't see, but it sees things that we haven't put together yet, early warning signs that we've never even considered, because you just feed it all of this data. Right. You know, it here's the person's brain after, right, and it can figure things out that we just don't see. That's where an iterative self-learning AI can be so powerful. Like the idea of, that the movie Elysian, did you ever see that? The uh, Matt Damon movie? It's kind of a bad movie, but, um, there's a, it's one of the movies where you lay down in a pod and it just fixes you. Mm -hmm. Like you have, you have the cancer. Now you don't have the cancer. You have three broken bones and, and hip problems. Now you have perfectly functioning body, whatever it is. And I, while I think that, you know, something like that is really, really far away, the we are inching toward that with ai helping us to find faster ways to identify and solve problems i mean even you know what was the thing we were talking about for you uh, uh, like a uh, a robotic pancreas is that what you're saying like oh having the
1: closest thing to like a, a pancreas yeah so if yeah, you've got if a, you've got a closed system that detects changes and, yeah and if, it makes adjustments on the fly if
0: you're diabetic and you don't produce insulin Um, you use an insulin pump or whatever. And, and, and so we've, we've already got, you know, to some degree, these like fake pancreases that kind of produce, you could call it that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or like a replacement, but like, you know, again, this is another one of those areas where AI is so helpful because as you said, um, being a type one, one, thank you diabetic it's not as simple as if you run out of insulin, you could just go to the hospital and be fine. Right. If your your balance could be totally off. I could really have, you could have a hard time for a few days if you run out. Um, whereas theoretically with proper AI tools, it can identify and predict where your blood sugar levels and insulin are going before a person Making who's like, right, yeah. it could do this, you know, theoretically faster. Well,
1: that's the And that's the other part about it for the medical side is that, uh, you know, treatment is one thing, but oftentimes while you're trying to get to the point of treating it, your body's having havoc wreaked on it while you're trying to diagnose the problem. If AI can pull a lot of the human guesswork out by just, you know, in milliseconds running your information against its database of info and get you that diagnostic even hours faster, that's going to make a big difference in the outlook of what you've got, you know, going on your prognosis.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I would hope, I would really hope that that is, uh, the direction that we go with, with although I know. will,
1: I will say it was it was way cooler when they had they were training dogs to smell diseases on people. I don't think that that's as cool as AI detecting it, but you know whatever, we'll work with what we got.
0: Smelling shirts and stuff, that's pretty cool. Um, so the last topic I'll, I'll leave you guys with today is another AI one, and I I talked about this show um, that I'm about to mention. I think when I was on the radio, I was actually on on rad radio one day. We were talking about this. There's a show on Netflix called Unknown. That's the name of the show. It's a series of documentaries about different topics. The show is called Unknown, which is a stupid name, and this one in particular is called Unknown Killer Robots. It's the dumbest name, and it's got a bad cover too, so it looks really unappealing. But it's very interesting. Um, and basically, what they're what they're showing in this in this episode is the advancements of AI when it comes to robotics and warfare, and how the military is trying to use it. And some of it is like so cool, like, oh, man, that is a great feature for AI to be involved in. And it's like, you know, let's say examining a thermal scan of a forest to identify the likelihood of where people are at um, and, and using AI to, you know, see things again that we can't see um, or putting together pieces of the puzzle that we haven't put together, strategizing on the best way to uh, address you know getting into a cave system whatever it is right it's I feel like you're describing predator yeah thermal imaging
1: for jungles Yeah. Going through cave systems yeah that sounds, sounds fun it's like your ai is just either terminator <laughs> just or alien. predator yeah it's all
0: sci-fi um and but one of the things that they have in there, which is uh, multiple private companies are working on is is called uh, swarming and where basically what they do is they have robots of of any kind it could be drones, it could be little dogs, it could be people a mixture of all of these and you you use the um, large quantity of low low cost electronics to do a lot of your work for you so let's just say that you've got a, a bunch of like you know eight inch square um, Cheap to produce, cheap to ship to another country. Um, drones, and you deploy—I don't know—a hundred of them, and you say, "Go search this building." Oh, man. It finds an entry point. You know, you've got your bigger ones on the outside that can breach, c- blow can a hole in hear a wall.
1: hundred drones. <laughs> it's just chasing somebody. <laughs> You know, homeless guys waking up in this building, just (laughs) (laughs) drone swarm coming through. they,
0: They have these cool demo videos where they've got like these makeshift houses where people are standing inside with guns and, you know, five drones fly in a room in a half a second. And they're pointing at this guy with thermal imaging. They know exactly where he is. All of this data is being fed back to these guys on the outside of the building who need to clear it. And they can see, okay. There's a hostage in this room up on the top right. There's three guys in in the front room, and there's one guy up on the top of the stairs. And then they just shoot through the walls at the people that are there, and don't have to yeah. worry about clearing that right. So um, stuff like that is pretty cool because it's just intelligence gathering. Right. But then you get to another layer where it's like you strap a machine yeah, gun them lethal, right? The, you sh- you know so
1: the the, do- the Boston Dynamics dogs with the Gatling gun on their back,
0: which is. As a fan of electronics and shooting, so cool, the coolest shit ever. Like, it's so <laughs> dope. <laughs> okay, you win. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm but, done. But terrifying. <laughs> um, so I just want to I wanted to bring this topic back up again because uh, there was a statement from the Deputy Secretary of Defense, whose name is Kathleen Hicks. Kathleen says um, that they have had an initiative for a while at the Pentagon um, called. Uh, replicator and and replicator she says will galvanize progress in the too slow shift of u.s military innovation to leverage platforms that are small smart cheap and mini sound familiar swarm (laughs) drove um let me see there she also went on to say uh now is the time to scale with systems that are harder to plan for harder to hit and harder to beat than those of potential competitors. And we'll do it while remaining steadfast to our responsible and ethical approach to AI and autonomous systems where the Department of Defense has been a world leader for over a decade. It's a very bold statement to basically say, we're gonna whoop ass with AI. And we're gonna quote unquote, be responsible as we do it. Sure.
1: just yeah,
0: whatever. It's it's you know <laughs> I, I'm glad that we have a powerful military. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the military videos that we get to watch are uh, just you know, hell yeah, grab me another beer. I want to watch more of that. You know, like there's it, there's that side of it, and then the the skeptic in me and that it's you know interested in technology and being a little bit more cautious. Um, sees the things like, you know, there have been videos of drone pilots that go back and kill or drones that are AI um, that go back and kill their pilots. And these are just an AI system. These are like demo systems. This has not happened. Um, but it's an imperfect technology. And and the nature of AI is that it can do things that we struggle to understand in the moment. We can, make, we can make sense of everything that they do at some point, but we can't rapidly understand as quickly as they can the decisions that they're making. So for example, if you tell AI, analyze this person's brain and tell me if they're at risk for brain cancer, and it comes back three seconds later and says, yes, they're at risk, and here are the factors, you might understand the factors, and you might understand that they're at risk, but you don't necessarily know how it came to that conclusion and if its process was right. That takes a lot of time.
1: You know what makes me think about is the, uh, you ever watch iRobot? The Will yeah. Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the intro where he's talking about, or I don't know if it's the intro, but where he's like hashing over why he hates the robots and stuff where basically got in that accident and it chose to save him yeah. instead of the, the girl, girl even though he's telling him to. Kind of makes me think about that
0: yeah like the make cold making cold hard decisions right. like that it's funny if you ask ChatGPT GPT or, or other AI language learning models like here's the situation the tr- have you ever heard of like the trolley I was just
1: gonna ask have they given it the trolley yeah
0: problem? yeah it kills the little kid every time <sighs> nice yeah and and it, and, it, and it and then it even says something like I would offer to be a replacement for the child to the family because they lost their child. Oh. Like what? <laughs> Weird. Weird, yeah, I mean, it's like, it comes up with answers. Hey, that's the thing about AI, like it's, if you, you haven't seen this this documentary, it's worth watching because it comes up with solutions to problems that we don't think of. Because as humans, we have this—we uh, have self-preservation in mind. Is probably one of the biggest things. Like a right. lot of the decisions that we make are with our own self-interest. No matter how selfless we think something might be, sure. a lot of it is self-interest. So, like one of the things it did was they—they they taught a—they um, taught an AI system how to fly like a F-35 Raptor, and in in demonstrations, it started beating real pilots, like some of the best dogfighters in, in the planet. Uh, on on dog dog fights that are simulated and part of the reason for that is it would do these crazy maneuvers that a human would never do not because we couldn't handle the stress like the g-forces but because we wouldn't go head-on into another pilot right so it plays the game of chicken but it doesn't bluff right um and it it, like attacks from attack vectors that don't make sense because the pilot would be heavily at risk like the likelihood of the pilot dying increases but it doesn't matter because it's a it's an AI, AI. system, yeah. it, it's it, it it is everywhere, so it doesn't have self preservation. So that extends into like how this documentary, you know, goes on and how they're using these. But anyway, this this recent statement from the Pentagon. Um, long story short, is basically saying we are working on ai and we we need to catch up we're at a, we're in an arms race and that is unfortunately very true we are in an arms race yeah. i mean imagine that the iron dome over israel had rockets that were so intelligent that every one of them had a connected ai system to hit incoming rockets more efficiently or or that or the even the iron dome where they've got the uh like it shoots like 5000 rounds of every 30 seconds or something like that. And literally it's just a hail of bullets in the sky that those are more accurate you can shoot three bullets and take down one of these rockets or whatever. Right. Um, or, or a, a nuclear missile is coming as an ICBM in space at a pace at which we can't get, but some of our capable technology could hit it if we were just capable of being more predictive faster. So there's, there's crazy implications to, to military and even law enforcement and, um, I'm excited to see some of it because especially like the drone swarm thing, like God, what if there's just a dude down over on the corner apartment building down here who's holding people hostage in his, in his building Right now...
1: I would be all for standing on a street corner and watching 50 drones swarm a building.
0: God, that'd be so sick. That would be Yeah, just like, can you imagine the first social media videos? This is gonna happen. There's gonna be a YouTube video that some kid took from across the street of some crime where 50 drones get launched into the sky, assess exactly where everybody is, and figure out the best way to get everybody out safely. Yeah. And then that's just gonna be on YouTube and we're gonna be watching it on our phones. (laughs) And that is a reality. I don't even think it's far... I think it's, if I had to guess, five years, maybe at most, I think five years before it's like commonplace because drones are cheap and AI is advancing very quickly. Why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we gather all of the information of the battlefield or of the
1: there are youtubers who are already making their own mini drone swarms if the Department of Defense cannot do this in five <laughs> yeah. years they have a problem well they are or, or they yeah. have and it's a secret and we have a problem right <laughs> Yeah.
0: anyway leave you off with all that fun information of uh, drone swarms and AI in the military and um, I I will recommend if you haven't watched it and shoot me questions if you'd like uh, on my opinions on certain parts of that because there's parts of it that are a little outlandish but that that um, uh, Documentary Unknown Killer Robots on Netflix is a pretty cool one. Um, as always looking forward to your guys' questions, uh, as we get a little closer to, uh, Christmas, if you guys have questions on products, that's one of the things I'd like to start going over a little bit more in this next couple of weeks. Um, if you're thinking about getting stuff for your house, taking advantage of some of the holiday sales, um, or you're thinking about buying gifts for people and you're a little speculative or maybe they're speculative on, on certain like a uh, smart home devices, for example, are a big one. Brands. Yeah. Brands. What's good. What's not. If you're looking at like, well, this one's. 40 bucks but this one's 300 and they kind of do the same thing what's the difference I can I can break those things down for you guys and that's something that would be very um, applicable to the majority of the audience so if you have questions on products or things like that please reach out I'm always more than happy to answer those types of questions for you and and probably save you a buck or save you some headache if you're about to buy a product that's uh, junk so as always looking forward to next Tuesday thank you guys for sticking around and we will see you next Tuesday see
1: you later